And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. So there's nothing to see here. Move along. (laughs) And we're going to cover probably all of those today. So here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following Crime Chat does contain adult content, and it will contain descriptions of violent and disgusting scenarios today. So your Mm. listener discretion is advised. Yes, and you have been warned that before we get in today's crime chat, Kat, what have you done? Ton of research for this disgusting story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of videos, a lot lots of reading. I've got my stack of books. I mean, it's been yeah, it's been I need a shower. <laughs> That's bad. When a story makes you feel so icky, where you're like, I need to shower. I need to get it off of me. Yeah. And it really does. I I know when like when I write stories, sometimes it affects like my dreams. Yeah. I'll be like waking up going, what the fuck? Who was I running from? (laughs) Why are there bubbles everywhere? Why are they popping in blood? I Oh, my God. (laughs) Speaking of blood bubbles. We don't need therapy. (laughs) I did finally catch up on one of the Walking Dead spinoffs, Dead City Mm -hmm. with Negan and Maggie. Okay. Where is that? Where do you find that? To watch? Yeah. It's on AMC Plus. Okay. Or AMC. Okay. And, but I thought you were saying, where are they at? Because of course they're in New York City. They're in Manhattan. Are they really? Yeah. Why would they go to a city? I thought cities were really bad for zombies. They kind of gather in cities. Her (laughs) son that she had. Uh Uh-huh. She was pregnant when Glenn was killed. Right. His name is Herschel. She named him after her father, Herschel. Mm-hmm. And he's a young teenager, and he was kidnapped. Oh. So she went to go get him. There's a storyline. There it and is. And she meets Negan, and yeah. It's good so far. I thought you said she's, I thought she's getting along with Negan. Well. I thought they were okay. Ish. I think somewhere between the storyline of where The Walking Dead ended, mm-hmm. and it looked like they were kind of setting up the stage for this spinoff, there was a time gap and it seems like they split ways and then ended up finding each other again. Oh. When the actual spinoff actually happened. And not that there's... I mean, you can see where there are some areas and stuff where they're starting to trust each other. Right. And kind of rely on each other. But then you kind of get that Maggie flashback of the type of person Negan was versus the type of person that he is now. Mm-hmm. And Negan really trying to show Maggie, I'm not the same person I was. So that dynamic and Yeah, I can see everything that the only way that's going to develop for me is if Negan saves her son, Herschel. I think he will. And actually, he saved Herschel before. Oh, okay. All right. So maybe mm-hmm. there's there's some uh, there's some good there. Okay. Yeah. Well, and Herschel hates him because he did find out that Negan is the one that killed his father. Yeah. Yeah. How old is Herschel? Now in the spinoff, it looks like he's probably a teenager, but they haven't really said his age yet. But just by how he looks, you know, so maybe like 13, 14. Okay. Okay. Yeah, which would make sense-ish, you know, if it's been, like I said, it looked like there was some kind of a time gap between the end of The Walking Dead to where this spinoff kind of picked up. Okay. So it would, I'd say between 12 and 14, probably. All right. That preteen. All right. And Rick is completely gone. Michonne is completely gone. Well, no, there's a Rick and Michonne spinoff coming. Spinoffs. Because Michonne is on the hunt to go find Rick. Right. And I think she ends up finding him, but I, that doesn't start, I think, until next year. Okay. The other spinoff is Daryl, 
Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah. So Daryl, I think, is ends up going to Paris. Is he with anybody, like, romantically? He did have a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. who he ended up killing eventually. Why? Because she was, she ended up joining this group called, I think they were called the Reapers. Okay. And once Daryl find out that, found out that she was part of this group, and then she was also, I can't remember her name, she was also trying to kill Maggie, and actually Daryl saved her from, saved Maggie from being killed by this lady. Right. I can't think of her name. It's like a... Kate or something like that. I can't I can't remember what it is. Okay. But originally that spin-off was supposed to be Daryl and Carol, but it's ending up being just Daryl. And where's Carol? I don't know. I guess she decided she didn't want to do a spin-off. She was done oh, with the Walking Dead. Okay, all right. Melissa McBride, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Other than researching <laughs> I've, you know, kept myself entertained with catching up with Dead City. <laughs> what about you? I got sick, so I was not feeling yes, well uh, again. Yeah. But I have been binge watching stuff on YouTube like 90 Day Fiance reviews and stuff like that. I did notice that a new movie is coming out. Do you like the Insidious series? Okay, they have a new one coming out. I saw it actually in theater, showing that it was in theater. So our anniversary is this weekend. Right. And we're like, what do you want to go do? Mm -hmm. So we were like, well, we haven't been to a movie theater in a very long time. You want to go actually see a movie? And so we were trying to look through and I saw the Insidious one that was in there. I love the – well, I take that back. It was – other one that has the worn – you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Ethan Hawke was the father. No, that's the first Insidious. No, it's not the first no, Insidious. No, it wasn't Insidious. It was... I'm going to Google it. Another series of that movie, Vera, Fer- Vera Ferminga played Warner. Right. Because it was the Warners, the devil within us or the devil among us or something like that. You know what I'm talking about. No, I did not see that one. The one I'm talking about is Sinister. Oh, okay. That one is really fucking good. That movie, when I saw Sinister, I was not expecting. Sinister gave me the same heebie-jeebies that The Ring did. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. It's good? (gasps) Yes. Really? Better than the original Is that the most recent one? Yes. That came out in 2021. So, but isn't Insidious, doesn't that also follow the Warners? No, Insidious is not a real story. Okay. It's like a, it's not like the Warners, Warrens, the Warrens, Warrens. they were. Yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. Yeah. They have Annabelle. Yes. (laughs) Did you see the one posted with the dolls and says, if you have one of these, like the Raggedy Ann is the original Annabelle. And I was like, yeah, I have a Raggedy Ann up in my attic. (laughs) (laughs) She's only this big, Mm -hmm. but... Chucky also demonstrated that the size does not matter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's it. And um, also, like, Kat, I know you're aware of this, but we just hit 1,000 followers on the page. Yes, we did. Whoop, 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 Yes. So, thank you, Chatters. That was awesome. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, my God. And it was, like, overnight. It was, like... I know. Whoosh. It really was. It was. It was like, boom. We're at 1,100 now the last time I saw. So. That was, that's within 24 hours. Yeah. So thank you, Chatters. I, I think I told you about that yesterday mm-hmm. or this morning. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Days are blurring together. Listen, I'm in Florida right now. I am roasting <laughs> alive. It's so effing hot. Yeah. It's so hot. Yeah. It's like I'm melting. Chatters, I got a desk fan. I got my AC on like 60. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm still sweating. Yes. You can see I'm shiny. You're glowing. <laughs> I'm glowing. Oh, my God. Okay. So, Kat, I know that this week is going to be heavy. I know the subject matter that you're going Mm -hmm. to be telling us about. Yes. Okay. The suspect. 
I know he's a really bad dude. Yep. Um, but the one real interesting part, not only for him, it, it happens a lot with serial killers, but they're really, a lot of them are really super intelligent. Yeah, we've talked about that on some of the crime chats before, how yeah. smart they are. All right, Kat. So before we get into your story, all right, and this is going to be a two-parter. It is. It is. Okay. So it, I was originally planning to knock it out in one story because next week is a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. But the more I got into the research, I just was not able to do it right. Right. And mm-hmm. we decided that we were going to put it in two parts. Okay. So the only way that you can listen, Chatters, to part two is if you subscribe mm-hmm. to our Patreon. Patreon. Yep. Bonus episodes, bloopers, all that jazz, all that extra stuff is only available to our Patreon subscribers. And if you want to subscribe and become a VIP chatter, mm-hmm. go to www.patreon.com forward slash crime chat with Nat and Cat, And you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Yep. You can pledge, you know, however much you want. But you might want to go ahead and do that like now. So when next week's episode comes out, you can listen to the whole terrifying story. Yes. And support your girls. Okay. Yes. So. Kat, I figured I'd start off with a couple, you know, some information about an IQ test. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And also, like, just go into some details that we may not know. And at the end, when I'm done telling you all all this information, Kat, I set up a little quiz. (laughs) Okay? We're going to get to that in a minute. It's only fair because I quizzed you last week. (laughs) You did. And you know what? When I watched the video back, I didn't do that well. Yeah, you did. You got four and a half out of five. Because you were very kind and you graded me on a very large curve, but like I didn't do that well. (laughs) I'm not good with standardized testing. Well, we've noted multiple choice for the future. So IQ classification is a practice of categorizing human intelligence. This moves into categories such as superior and average. This is a concept introduced in late 19th century by British scientist Francis Galton. There are many ways to measure intelligence, but (laughs) the most common way is an IQ test. Mm -hmm. And when people hear IQ tests, I think their brain like goes into the far away reaches of the earth. But it's really not that, it's not hard to get an IQ test. You just have to go online. And there's so many versions of it. And you can get, like you'll see later, you can get like ones that are really purely academic. You can get ones that are funnier. You can get ones that maybe are focused more on critical thinking. Mm -hmm. But it's fun when I actually had a there were a bunch that I had to choose from and I had to narrow it down to one all right well a human intelligence analyst Lisa Van Germant said people with high intelligence levels are more likely to be able to manipulate process and analyze information at a deeper level and at a faster rate compared to ordinary people hmm. yeah we hmm. get it you're better than us so now <laughs> she is also she's also one of the smartest people like in the world like her IQ is I think in the Guinness Book of World Record at like 280. Holy shit. Yeah. This idea, that's possible? Yeah. Wow. It was like off the charts. It's like they could not like, I guess it gets you get to a point where you really don't have some, they can't really gauge your intelligence because you're just knocking the tests out of that, you know, just. Know. Yeah. So the five most common tests administered are one, the Stanford Binet Intelligence Scale, two, the Universal Nonverbal Intelligence Quiz, so test. Three, the Differential Ability Scale. Four, the Peabody Individual Achievement Test. And five, the Woodcock-Johnson III Test of Cognitive (laughs) Disabilities. So those are the most practiced IQ tests that I guess, you know, academics use. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Kat. My, yes. My, okay, I'm good. 
All right, so here are some of the scores just to give you kind of like an idea of what it's like when they grade it and where mm-hmm. people fall. Okay. So the IQ tests of less than 85, so if you get an 85 or less on the test, mm-hmm. this is basically a proportion of 16% of people who take the tests. Mm-hmm. And this is actually kind of average. Okay. Anything lower than this would mean that you have a low IQ score. So this is pretty much average. Okay. An IQ test of 85 to 150. They say is the normal type, but I've heard this is actually high IQ. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like they're being generous right now with their score. Yeah. Another score is 115 to 130, which is the mm-hmm. intelligent type. Mm-hmm. And then it goes up to 130 to 145, which is what they call the very smart type, which mm-hmm. is only 2% of the population. Mm-hmm. And test scores of 145 or above mean that you're genius or close to genius type, and that is only less than 1% mm-hmm. of the population. Yes. Which is ironic because there's so many serial killers yeah. that actually are, are in that percentage. Okay. Yeah. So now, before I get into testing cat, okay, <laughs> I know many of you are asking like, all right, so what if I score like 170 on my IQ test? Well, there are things that you can do to improve your IQ. Mm -hmm. And here are some of the things. One, play crossword puzzles, okay? So now studies showed that crossword puzzles help reduce the risk of Alzheimer's and also help the brain function. And then another thing you could do is exercise. And I know you're a big walker and a runner. And I play crossword puzzles every day. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) So they say that if you – of course you do. Of course you do. (laughs) Uh, They say walking 30 minutes a day helps the body produce BDNF, a molecule that leads to the formation of new neutrons. Mm -hmm. Another thing is learn to play a musical instrument. That is actually shown to stimulate the cerebral activities in your brain, which controls memory function. Some supplements you want to go buy, vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Vitamin D is found to metabolize. Well, the body metabolizes vitamin D in the cerebellum regions, Mm -hmm. which are related to the processing and formation of new information. Mm -hmm. Another one is get some sleep. Go to sleep, okay? This actually helps your brain relaunch like a reboot when you go to sleep. Yeah. Something else that's really simple that I don't do enough, deep breaths. (gasps) Sit down. (sighs) Take a deep breath. What do they say? In through the mouth, out through the nose. In through the nose, out through the mouth. In through the nose, out through the mouth. And it's like, what do they say? It's like five seconds in, seven seconds out. Mm-hmm. And then you hold it. Right. Once you breathe all the way in, you hold it for a second. And then. Shh. Right. Yes. If I can't fall asleep right away, I usually will practice some breathing exercises to kind of help slow everything down. Yeah. And it works. So when I've done like a, like public speaking mm-hmm. and I'll have like this little minute where I'm like having this sweaty mess anxiety written <laughs> moment where I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. All I have to do is breathe yeah. and your anxiety levels go down and you kind of like, it's almost like the anxiety leads you to breathe in a very shallow mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden your body is like uh, starving for air and then you get more nervous and then anxiety. Mm-hmm. But if you just breathe, you're actually improving your brain's ability to work. So. Yeah. Yes. Oxygen is good. Oxygen is good. Another thing you can get, fish oil. Mm, Yes, yes. Our brain is made up of fat. 
and it's more than 65% of fatty acids in the omega group. Mm. So this basically, a lot of people say that if you just use the rule to eat fish at least twice a week, mm-hmm. you're on a good track. Okay. I know that. Oh, squishy. Oh, squishy. <laughs> squishy. I w- he's like, no. He's not, he's, he's, I don't know. <laughs> I just think of like the brain and like squish, 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 squishy, squishy, squishy. <laughs> Another thing, and I love this one because I don't know where or why they added one of these ingredients in there, but okay. So the next one is whole grains. Do you eat whole grains? Yes. Okay. So cereals rich in fiber combined with the vegetables, fruits, nuts, and wine, literally says wine, and olive oil can fight oxidation, inflammation, and other mm-hmm. cardiovascular risk factors mm-hmm. such as high blood pressure. So I eat oatmeal every day. Do you? It's, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And not like microwave oatmeal or anything like that, like whole oats. Hey. <laughs> Hey. There's more sugar in that t- than the nutrition. Oh my God. All right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. So what is that? What is that box? What's the oats? What's Quaker the oats? Guy? Quaker oats. Can I fucking talk? Okay. Because I've been drinking. Because I've been working on my brain function. <laughs> Quaker oats has an ad- uh, animal. Has an apple, cinnamon, it is freaking amazing. And I will get like the multi package. Mm-hmm. So it's like apple cinnamon, maple syrup, yeah. brown sugar, mm-hmm. a walnut. Mm-hmm. And then I'll mix them all together and I make my own concoction. It's really good. So get whole oats, cut up your own apples, add your own cinnamon, put a little bit of your own brown sugar in there and that'll help get rid of all the extra stuff and preservatives that they put in. It's like an extra 10 minutes before you <laughs> eat breakfast. <laughs> I don't want to wait 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Okay, so Kat, are you ready to play Are You Smarter Than a Serial Killer? All right, so these questions, there are 10 questions, and honestly, when I was pulling these questions, I'm like, really? This isn't an IQ test, but apparently it is. So I will have all the answers for you at the end. Um, so there are 10 questions. So basically, in order to be within the 80%, you got to get eight right. All right, you ready? Is this multiple choice? <laughs> No. I looked for that. No. Okay. Okay. Number one. You are my brother, but I'm not your brother. Who am I? Sister? Very good. Okay. All right. Number two. Which mountain was the highest in the world before Mount Everest was discovered? Oh. Remember when Chris was talking about 14 peaks? Yeah. When we had the... Crime chat, and he, they were talking about the guy who likes to climb all the mountains or whatever. It's like, yeah. I want to say like Kilimanjaro or Kilimanjaro or something like that. I'm going to say the question one more time. Oh. You ready? This is a tricky question then. <laughs> it's it's a trick question. Oh. Which mountain was the highest in the world before Mount Everest was discovered? Oh, it was Mount Everest because it was just oh, wasn't ding, ding, discovered. Ding, ding, ding. Oh. <laughs> Duh. You know what it is? You were overthinking the question. You were yeah. thinking of all the possibilities. Yeah. You're smart. Okay. All right. You got two. Ready? Number three. A 62-year-old woman and a 16-year-old girl walk into a restaurant. A man walked past and the women both said, hello, father. How is this possible? He's a pastor or a priest. Oh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay. Number four. A girl, 13, on her last birthday and will be 15 on her next birthday. How is this possible? She's 14. Number five. Where do the biggest potatoes grow? On the biggest potato farm? In the ground? (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Okay, you got five. You got five right. All right, number six. 
Which was the first planet to be discovered? Welcome to Earth, the third rock from the sun. Very, very good. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. No, you got it right. I know, but I'm just like, ah. Number seven. What word becomes shorter when you add two letters to it? Word becomes shorter when you add two letters to it. Trying not to overthink. Short. <laughs> Jesus, do I have to worry about you, Kat? <laughs> do I have to worry about you? Oh my God, Tom Douglas would be proud, girl. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Right. All right, number eight. Two girls were born to the same mother mm-hmm. on the same day, mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. in the same month mm-hmm. and year, mm-hmm. and yet they are not twins. Mm-hmm. How is this possible? Two girls were born to the same mother at the same time in the same year, and they're not twins. One ate the other one? <laughs> like, I ate my twin in the womb? <laughs> oh my god. No, it's not that dark. But <laughs> you're you're kind of, you're, you're, it's hot, you're hot. But it's not that dark. Okay. You move. You move it in the right, right direction. They're uh, identical or um, conjoined twins. But you said they're not mm-hmm. twins. Not twins. Not a hint. Sure. There's something else. They're not twins. There's something else. Well, that's not much of a hint. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They're triplets. No. They're not twins. They're just triplets. Well, I was okay. Kind of fucked hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number nine. Where do you find roads without vehicles, forests without trees, and cities without houses? On a map. Jesus Christ. Girl. Yes. <laughs> Good. Oh my God. Okay. Number 10. If you multiply all the numbers on the dial pad of your cell phone, mm-hmm. what is the answer? A phone number. 10 no, numbers. No. 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. So if you multiply all that together, mm-hmm. what would it be? Can I take my phone out and multiply it? <laughs> well, you would start off with which did Oh, shit. It would be a zero. Very good. Duh. So, Kat, you got 9 out of 10. <laughs> 90%. Ish. So you- 90-ish. <laughs> You got 90%. Okay. You got definitely 90%. Okay. Yeah, you are as smart as a serial killer. You've passed. It's very good. I'm proud of you, girl. Yay. Okay. <laughs> You've been- I don't know what that means. So that is my quiz for Kat. So you did very good. Yay. Well, uh, that was an exciting. <laughs> that was interesting. I, don't I knew you I'd- were going to do well. I knew you were going to do well. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever done any, like, IQ anything before. So it's good to know I'm about as smart as a uh, serial killer. <laughs> you know something? You, well, you, one thing that's shocking, I forgot. They test, when, when they test you, like, your IQ, they do it based on your age and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. I forgot how seemingly easy the questions appeared yeah. in a test, yeah. but they're not because they yeah. truly ask you questions that, like you saw, they can trick you like that. You really have to not overthink mm-hmm. and you just have to kind of answer it in a way that it's, I, you know, I don't look into the question. Like don't look into the question. Just answer yeah, the question. Just answer it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our topic for the next two episodes, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about his IQ. So we're get- that's why uh, we kind of did this little quiz beforehand. Right. And that, that you think, I think Ed Kemper would probably score like 80 or 70. I'm sorry. I actually am going to ask you that question coming up, what you think. Ooh. <laughs> So, okay. <laughs> but we are going to talk about the insidious Ed Kemper, known as the co-ed mm. killer, known as the co-ed butcher. Mm. Ed Kemper's first and last murders 
were members of his own family, but there is so much more to this serial killer. Yeah. Necrophilia, cannibalism, dismemberment, irrumation. Four absolutely terrifying words all summed up into one giant monster. His methods, shooting, strangulation, blunt force trauma. Mm. Ugh. Mm. This co-ed killer first killed his grandparents in 1964, then six college girls from 1972 to 1973, who he picked up hitchhiking. And then lastly, his mother and her best friend were also killed in 1973. Seven of his ten victims were beheaded, including his mother. How? Why? What makes a serial killer tick? Now, Nat and I are not the only ones who have had questions about these types of murderers like Ed Kemper. There are crazy people like us out there. Yes. We're not the only ones. Yes. (laughs) One was Dr. Ann Burgess. She is a Boston College professor at Connell School for Nursing. Armed with Mm. scholarly knowledge of sex crimes, victimology, and criminal psychology, as well as research skills, Burgess recalled her interview that she had with Ed Kemper, and she said the following, quote, he was very articulate. He had a voice that carried well, that I guess sold well. He had enough of a personality that wouldn't offend people, unlike some of the other people who were clearly offensive. He was very personable and didn't appear to hold back. He also knew exactly when his fantasies for killing started, end quote. Burgess also worked alongside the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit. Yes, I am talking about the John Douglas. Hottest man in the world. (laughs) John Douglas and his partner, Robert Ressler, who interviewed Ed Kemper a handful of times, they did this in order to evaluate the lives of serial killers and try to understand what makes them kill. Now, what Douglas and Ressler found were three personality traits, manipulation, domination, and control. There were many lessons learned from this, which would develop Mm. into a substantial structure in teaching at the FBI Academy. And as we know, Douglas wrote a book called Mindhunter, which was also depicted in the Netflix series of the same name. But, Uh Nat, more to come on that in part two. Okay. So first, we actually have to dive into this co-ed killer and find out where it all started. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. (laughs) Sit back, relax, grab a glass of wine, and soak in this disgusting story. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Edmund Emil Kemper III was born December 18, 1948, in Bourbon, California, to Clarnell Elizabeth Stage, then Kemper, uh-huh. and his father, Edmund Emil Kemper Jr. His dad was known as E.E. for Edmund Emil, right. so I'm going to just refer to him as E.E. Emil, Emil is, um... Yes. I've heard, I've had, I had a friend named Emil. Emil, that is... What nationality is that? I'm going to have to I look. Know. I need to look that up while you're talking. Go ahead. I'll, I'll find out. Okay. I'll find out. <laughs> His father, E.E., e., was a World War II veteran who tested nuclear weapons at the Pacific Proving Grounds. Mm-hmm. The Pacific Proving Grounds were located on a number of islands in the Pacific Ocean, kind of near Guam, called the Marshall Islands. Okay. So after his tour, E.E. E. returned to California and began to work as an electrician. Clarnell, Ed Kemper's mom, often complained about E.E.'s quote-unquote menial job as an electrician. And E.E. would later say, quote, Suicide missions in wartime and the atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with that woman, end quote. (laughs) And then later said that Clarnell affected him, quote, more than the 396 days and nights of fighting on the front did, end quote. Oh, girl, that's a burn. (laughs) (laughs) He roasted her. Okay. Ed weighed 13 pounds at birth. What? 
That's a big baby. Wow, and his size had a huge effect on his entire life. Wow. By the age of four, Ed was a head taller than other kids his age. Mm-hmm. He was the middle child of two sisters. He had an older sister named Susan and a younger sister named Allen, A-L-L-Y-N. Mm-hmm. I believe that's probably how you pronounce it, or Alin. Mm-hmm. The girls, who were overtly favored by Clarnell, mom, joined their mother in taunting and belittling Ed at an early age. His father, E.E., was also hard on him, and Ed was often ridiculed for his inadequacies and was frequently punished. As an example, Clarnell demanded that Ed's pet chickens were killed, and his father then made him eat them. Oh my god. Yeah. In a recorded interview later, when he was asked why he kept the heads of his victims, Ed recalled how this scenario had upset him so much as a child, and he said, quote, My dad heads out back with a hatchet. I got on my bike and I rode it. I tried to stop it. I remember that. I got on a bike and rode around the block. I was crying, and I haven't talked about that for a lot of years, and quote. Now, put a nugget in that for later. Mm, okay. About the chicken head, chicken heads. Okay. So according to his own account, Ed's dark fantasies and morbid imagination started as a child. He also had two near-death experiences, which can be traumatic for a child. The first one, his older sister, Susan, tried to push him out in front of a passing train. What? Oh my <laughs> and then later, she also pushed Ed into the deep end of a swimming pool and he nearly drowned. Oh my god, the sister seems a little... Oh, God. Okay. All right. Yeah. But like many children, Ed had a crush on his teacher. Aww. Specifically, his second grade teacher. Now, instead of bringing his teacher an apple or maybe some wildflowers, mm. he would sneak out of his house, mm. take his father's bayonet that he had in World War II, and go to her house and peep outside of her windows when she was home and watch her. Older sister Susan, she found out about this, that he had a crush on his teacher. Right. And she would mock and tease him. She asked him, quote, why don't you go and kiss her? End quote. You know what Ed answered? What? If I kiss her, I'd have to kill her first. Wow. He was eight years old. Wow. Yeah. Some of Ed's favorite games he would play as a kid were not your typical games, if you can imagine so far. Mm -hmm. He called them gas chamber and electric chair. Ed would ask his younger sister, Alan, to tie him up and then flip an imaginary switch, to which Ed would then fall over and act out if he was being electrocuted in a chair or being suffocated from gas inhalation, essentially acting out his death by capital punishment. This is your second nugget. Gotta put another nugget in that. Oh, God. We're gonna bring that back up later. Okay. Ed would also often play with his sister's dolls, but he would perform rituals, decapitate them, and amputate their arms and legs. When recalling this, Ed would later say, quote, I remember there was actually a sexual thrill. You hear that little pop, pull off their heads and hold their heads up by their hair, whipping their heads off and their body just sitting there. That'd get me off. End quote. Wow. Holy crap. Do you see why I needed to shower? Oh, my. <laughs> I need a shower. Oh, my God. Now, after some time, dolls weren't enough, and he moved on to animals, specifically the house cats. Mm. At the age of 10, he buried one of their pet cats alive. Once it died, he went back to it, dug it up, cut off its head, and then put it on a spike. Later, Ed said that he developed pleasure from successfully being able to lie to his family about killing this cat. Again, at the age of 13, Ed killed another family cat, likely belonging to his younger sister, Alan. He kept pieces of the cat in his closet until his mother discovered them. Picture this household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
probably a little tense. A lot of abuse going on, a lot of like physical abuse, not just on animals, but I mean, yeah. there was a lot of there was a lot of shit going on in this household. Yeah. Well, Ed's parents separated in 1957 and then eventually would get divorced in 1961. Clarnell moved Ed and his two sisters to Helena, Montana. Ed was actually closer to his father than his mother, so the divorce and then the move was really hard on him. This is where he started to show even more sociopathic traits, and his relationship with his mother became even more dysfunctional. He would say that Clarnell turned into a neurotic, domineering alcoholic who increasingly humiliated and abused him. Fearing that Ed would actually harm his sisters, Clarnell made him sleep in a rat-infested basement, and she would lock him in there because she was convinced he would try to rape one or both of the sisters. Now, sometimes he would be in there for days or weeks at a time, and with a single light bulb hanging from a wire, as he was staring into the furnace fire, this is where Ed said he saw the devil for the first time. One night, while Clarnell was talking to E.E. E. on the phone, he's still in California, she's in Montana, Ed heard his mother say that he was, quote unquote, a real weirdo. Clarnell also would refuse to show affection to Ed because she feared it would, quote unquote, turn him gay. Oh. She would often tell Ed that he reminded her of his father and that no woman would ever love him. Ed would later describe his mother as a sick, angry woman and assume that she likely had borderline personality disorder. All right. That's your third nugget. Yeah. Remember that. Okay. I got three. Okay. Three nuggets so far. <laughs> Around Christmas 1963, Ed ran away from Montana. He ran back to California to be with his dad. Yeah. Once he got there, he had learned his father remarried and that E.E. E. seemed very fond of his new stepson. Yeah. Ed was heartbroken. By the age of 14, already at a whopping six foot four, his mother struggled to manage him, and she sent him to live with his grandparents from his father's side in North Folk, California. And apparently, Ed wasn't happy there. He hated it there. He described his grandfather, Edmund Emil Kemper Sr., as senile, and then his grandmother, Maud Kemper, as constantly emasculating him and his grandfather. And then Ed also was bullied while he was at school there. One day, once upon a time, <laughs> one day on August 27th, 1964, Ed was sitting at the kitchen table with his grandmother and they were having an argument. Ed got up and went to get a rifle his grandfather had given him the Christmas before. Right. Now, a side note, this rifle actually had been taken away from him because he was using it to like go out and kill animals for no reason. Mm. So the grandparents took the rifle away from him, but he went and got it, went back into the kitchen. Maud allegedly said, quote, oh, you'd better not be shooting those birds again, end quote. Ed picked up the rifle, aimed it at her, and shot her in the head. Then he shot her in the back twice. Some accounts I also read say that she also might have suffered from postmortem stab wounds. Now, fearing his grandfather would be upset by seeing his wife dead, Ed also shot his grandfather when he got home. And Ed later admitted that he killed them just because he wanted to know what it felt like. After the, he killed his grandparents, he called his mom, and he told her what he did. Yeah. And then he called the police. As the police arrived, he was waiting on the front porch. Of course, he was arrested, and he was charged with killing his grandparents. Understandably, Ed would undergo a psychological evaluation as well. Right. Right. Deemed mm. unfathomable for a 15-year-old to commit such murders, a court psychiatrist diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia, and Ed was then sentenced to a maximum security building for the criminally insane called Edescaro State Hospital in St. Louis, Obispo County, California. <laughs> <laughs> now, one psychiatrist named Donald Lundy later recalled his analysis of Ed as an adult, saying, quote, 
In his way, he had avenged the rejection of both his father and his mother, end quote, by killing his grandparents. While at a Tuscadero, he became a model patient, Mm -hmm. and he was actually trained to administer psychiatric tests to other patients. What the fuck? All right. (laughs) He was a model patient. He was so, and he was smart. Yeah. One psychiatrist said, quote, he was a very good worker, Mm. and this is not typical of a sociopath. He really took pride in his work, end quote. Mm. Ed also became a member of the JCs. And it's also claimed that he helped develop some new tests and new scales on the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, specifically the Overt Hostility Scale during his time at Acatuscatero State Hospital. So there is an actual study. There's He created a test. Yes. He was part of creating this new test of his personality evaluation. Yeah. Wow. Now, while here, he also took an IQ test. Actually, this is the second IQ test that he took. Nat, Mm. knowing what we do about IQ results and those of serial killers, what do you think his score was? I know his score. Okay. I want to say, and and maybe I'm wrong. He took two, but the higher one is the one that most people know. Is it 187 or 180 or 178? Nope, that's high. What is it? So his first one was 136 and his second one was 145. So one, most people know 145. I was going to initially say 145, but I don't know why I said the other one. So yeah, my my IQ was very low. <laughs> you gave him the benefit the of the 80s. doubt. <laughs> I did. I did. I got to stop doing that. So during his time at Atuscadero... He was a model patient, a worker. Psychiatrists and social workers at the California Youth Authority would eventually disagree with the original court psychiatrist's diagnosis with paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The report said that Ed showed, quote, no flight of ideas, no interference with thought, no expression of delusions or hallucinations, and no evidence of bizarre thinking, end quote. I don't know about that, but... The the past doctor that said that he was not displaying any typical signs of a sociopath, like... That doesn't mean that he wasn't diagnosing correctly. Like, just... That's correct. Yeah. So, okay. He's a sociopath, but he may not be. He may be something worse. Well, he was subsequently re-diagnosed with a personality trait disturbance, passive-aggressive type. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. words. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big man. Well, he is a big man. Not only was he a good worker, an ideal patient, he was also a good listener. Ed learned as much as he could about what responses and behaviors would reveal a quote-unquote healthy person. Yeah. In his evaluation for release, he convinced the psychiatrist that he was completely rehabilitated and regarded as non-threatening. Later interviews, Ed said that being able to understand how these tests functioned allowed him to manipulate his psychiatrist, admitting that he learned a lot from sex offenders to Mm. whom he administered these tests to. Yeah, he is literally, this is a perfect example of being the smartest person in a room. You don't have to be a doctor. I I know a lot of doctors that are idiots. Like, you don't have to be. He was the smartest person in that room. Oh. Yes, he was. He outsmarted them all. So he was released on his 21st birthday, December 18th, 1969, and was awarded parole and then to be sent in the care of his mother. Oh, boy. While he was actually in the hospital, she had had remarried. She changed her last name from Kemper to Strandberg. But by the time he was released and Ed was living with her, she had already gotten divorced again. (laughs) 
So uh, at this time, she was living in Santa Cruz, California, and worked as an administrative assistant at the University of California in Santa Cruz. As part of his parole, he would also sporadically be evaluated by psychiatrists to analyze his adjustments back into society. Another nugget. Oh, Nugget okay. number four. Okay. More to come on this later. Okay. In addition to his mental evaluations, he was also required to attend community college, and for a time, he actually wanted to become a police officer. However, because of his now six foot nine, nearly 300 pound size, he was rejected. Really? Now, wait a minute. Yeah. Is that true? When you, when you, yeah. you need to be within a certain height? Oh. Oh, is that true? I thought I was like, yeah, it's true. No, like you were, you were, you were an officer. So, like, is that true that mm-hmm. they, they will, there's like a particular height that if you're too tall, they, they'll say no? Well, I, I would think just in my experience, I mean, there is physical agility tests that you'd have to do. You okay. do have to be able to perform physically because of his size. I mean, maybe he wasn't as physically fit or, right. you know, physically able to do certain things. Right. It's possible. Yes. Okay. Across the board, I can't say yes or no. I mean, I think a lot of the standards are different Mm -hmm. for different agencies, but it's possible, yeah. Okay. And I'm surprised that they didn't deny him based on the fact that he killed his grandmother. Well, he was deemed sane. He was cleared and- Oh, boy. His court-ordered evaluations from the psychiatrist- From that hospital. You know, visits. That hospital, that Appalachia, whatever the fuck it is, hospital in whatever California. (laughs) Appalachia. Whatever the fuck it is. (laughs) They cleared Kemper, okay? All right. Well, (laughs) even though he had a very large size, apparently he had a very small penis. And that really bothered him. Burn, Cass. Hey, it's the truth, okay? (laughs) I mean, I don't know, like, firsthand, obviously, but the research that I did. (laughs) Now, this issue that he had with his male parts yeah and then with his mother reminder that a woman would never love him (sighs) understandably gave him significant insecurities about his relationships with women yeah a quote from one of the books called the way we kill each other said that quote kemper was driven by manic sex urges but saddled with crippling sense of inferiority he had a small penis which made him look minuscule and quite inept as an as a lover end quote Mm. So yeah, he's six nine, three hundred pounds. So mm-hmm. yeah, that I could see yeah. that. Okay, mm. yeah. <laughs> you meant you said it first. I'm just- I know. So <laughs> a song from the '90s just popped in my head. I want which one? Don't want no short dick man. <laughs> I love that song. Oh my god. Okay, sorry. 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 <laughs> Okay, slowly but surely, his constant rejection and maltreatment would lead to so much more, as we know. As with this notable era of serial killers, young girls started disappearing in the fall of 1970. And now while some would reappear, many college-age girls would not. At this time, Ed started to fantasize how he would capture women. He said he would hold them at gunpoint and have his way with them. And while driving around Santa Cruz alone, he did hide a gun under his seat. When he was asked in an interview about why he killed college girls, Ed said, this is a long quote, so bear with me, Mm -hmm. quote, my frustration, my inability to communicate socially, sexually, I wasn't impotent, but emotionally I was impotent. I was scared to death of failing in the male-female relationships. I knew absolutely nothing about that whole area. Even if just sitting down and talking with a young lady, I need to be able to really communicate and, ironically enough, that's why I began picking people up. 
And I'm picking up young women, and I'm going a little bit further each time. It's a daring kind of thing. First, there wasn't a gun. I'm driving along, and we could go to a vulnerable place where there aren't people watching. Where I could act out, I could say no, and then I can't. Then, a gun is in the car, hidden. And this craving, this awful raging eating feeling inside, I could feel it consuming my insides. This fantastic passion. It was overwhelming me. It was like drugs, like alcohol. A little isn't enough. At first it is, and then you adjust to that psychology, and physically you take more and more and more. It's the same process. So it finally came down to the thing of, do I dare bring this gun out? Already realizing, if a gun comes out, something has to happen. It was going to happen. I didn't see it, but then it was going to happen. I was playing a dangerous game with a loaded gun that got us all. End quote. Wow. Now, I watched that interview. It's from a 1984 84 or 86 interview. Right. It's on YouTube. It's going to be listed in the references. And I took that quote out of there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's- he was asked about that. It's incredibly insightful. That right yes. there shows you how articulate and intelligent he is. And that was about, it was about 10 years after the murder. Wow. Murders. Wow. Mm -hmm. He's talking about himself. It's easier to say that about somebody Mm -hmm. else, but he's really internalizing and explaining his thought process. I mean, that is just full of information right there. Wow. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that kind of piece than the Mindhunter piece Mm. in part two. Okay. I guess that's your fifth nugget. No, it kind of was your first (laughs) nugget. (laughs) Are you expecting me to remember all these nuggets? Is there going to be a quiz? There won't be a quiz. No, okay. But there will be nuggets. Okay, I'll, 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 I'm going to have nuggets. We'll do a we'll do a recap, a nugget recap. So on the outside, Ed seemed like a normal, nice guy. Mm. He had a professional appearance. He wore glasses and didn't have a like a harmful appearance to him. And he was very smart. Obviously, we talked about that. When he was asked what he thought people saw when they looked at him, he said, "Quote." A nice guy. I lived as an ordinary person most of my life, even though I was living an increasingly parallel sick life, an other life, end quote. He often hung out at a bar called the Jury Room. It was a bar that was adjacent to the courthouse and was frequented by police. He got the nickname Big Ed there, and eventually he made friends with the police. Messing around, like kind of playing around, he would grab the 200-pound officers, kind of pick them up by their elbows uh-huh. just to kind of demonstrate his strength. Yeah. He befriended these police officers so well that they gave him a realistic-looking badge and handcuffs. Now, when Ed was later asked about the friends that he made at this cop bar, he described himself as a friendly nuisance. Like, I was a friendly nuisance to them. He said, quote, I got in the way and it was deliberate. Again, friendly nuisances are dismissed. Wow. End quote. Yeah. You have to see, this is why you have to be, even though like he's a terrible, he's a monster, there's a lot here that like is just impressive on how he is explaining mm-hmm. everything. He's like, he, he he says that they looked at him as a nice guy. Yeah. Because that's exactly the way he wanted them to see him. And he was smart enough mm-hmm. on how to do that. And between the ages of 15 and 21, when he was in this hospital for the criminally insane, yeah, he learned enough to be able to demonstrate what people wanted to see of what a healthy person or normal person looks like. Right. That's so scary. That's so fucking scary. So by 1972, more college girls started disappearing while they were hitchhiking. And this was unseemingly a popular and safe thing to do at the time. We've talked about that in several cases from the 70s. Many of these missing girls were either going to or from local universities. Now remember, Clarnell, mom, 
worked Uh at the University of California in Santa Cruz. Uh When Ed was later asked about his relation between his mother's job and the killings, he confirmed there was a connection. He said, quote, yes, I was also involved in killing co-eds because my mother was associated with college work, college co-eds, women. They had had a very strong and violently outspoken position on men for much of my upbringing, end quote. Yeah, he had, he had, he probably hated women. Yeah. Yeah, for many reasons. He loved them and hated them at the same time. Well, listen to this. Okay. Mommy issues, right? Mm-mm. So then he added, quote, My mother was a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. I watched the alcohol increase. I watched her social life drop off. I watched her get bizarre. She had terrible pain from her life, her earlier life, her upbringing, mm. a failed marriage of my father, and I'm a constant reminder of that failure. I hate to distill it down into such a, into one word really like that. There's a lot that leads into that happening, but that's what happened. They represented not what my mother was, but what she liked, what she coveted, what was important to her, and I was destroying it, end quote. Wow. Eek! <laughs> a lot of the stuff, I mean, is from, I, I, I watched interviews. Yeah. I took a lot of quotes. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff is like him saying these things. It's so fucking scary. Okay. It's, it's scary, but it's also unnerving that he's explaining it to a way that really we can understand. Mm-hmm. And we almost feel sympathy for him mm-hmm. based on what his mo- – I mean, his mother was a horrible person as well. Mm-hmm. But he he's I don't know it's 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 crazy how I'm sitting here and you're talking about the way his mother treat I'm like aw but I'm like no temper yes no no aw no, no aw okay <laughs> <laughs> even after police warnings of hitchhiking especially with college girls and an increased bus schedule on the campus Kemper had no trouble picking up hitchhikers ironically. One warning advised riding in only in cars that had the university stickers on it. Well, Kemper's mother worked there, and he had a sticker on his car. Oh, boy. He said, quote, My mother worked at the campus, and I had an ACE sticker on my car, an obvious access day or night to the campus. I was picking up some very lovely women. You know what we were talking about as we were driving around? Almost often is not. This guy that was going around doing stuff. They were comparing notes, speculating on what he looks like, how he carries himself, and why he's doing all this stuff, telling me about it, end quote. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Oh, my God. That's so, when so Ed- fucking scary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So when Ed was later asked what he thinks when he sees a pretty girl, he said, quote, One side of me says, I'd like to talk to her, to date her. And then the other side of me says, I wonder what her head would look like on a stick. End quote. Fucking kidding me? <laughs> and he was probably looking straight into the camera lens when he said that. Absolutely serious. Oh my yep, god. 100%. Wow. Ed Kemper's murders overlapped with another serial killer. Herbert Mullen, 1972 to 1973, which really baffled police because all of these people, you know, dead girls started showing up. Right. Both men were actually arrested within weeks of each other. And after the deaths, there was a total of 21 people in the Santa Cruz area that had been murdered. Herbert Mullen was actually a serial killer. He killed 13 people in California in the 1970s, which I want to look into. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that's another crime chat. So, Nat, Mm. who were Ed Kemper's college-aged victims, and how did he kill them? What about Mama? 
Mm. Well, we're going to dive into that more in part two. So remember to bring your nuggets. I'm going to bring my nuggets. I'm going to bring the nuggets. Okay. I'm going to bring my nuggets. Oh, my God, Kat. Okay. (laughs) Now do you see, like, there's so much into it. Like, it was so hard to say, what what do I not include in this, right? You needed to kind of tell the story where you you displayed, like, his intelligence and who he is. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, I know a lot more. You just told me a lot more. I didn't know a lot of the things that you said. But now I'm assuming part two is more ugly than what we went over today because mm. I know he's bad. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna... So we're gonna talk about the victims. We talked about his grandparents and there's really isn't a whole else lot on his grandparents which is why I put it in this part and plus it was 1964. Yeah. He didn't start killing these girls until 1972 so there's an obvious gap. It was three years after he was released from the Azkodikadopada State Hospital. Azkodikadopada where the fuck? <laughs> So, in in that three years is when he really formed himself. Yeah. And the urges really picked up. The more he hated his mother. Yeah. The more, like, all of this started to build up inside. He knew the kind of person that was acceptable in society. Right. He knew that kind of person is who he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into a little bit about that, about his reflection on himself, on what flipped the switch and why he started to kill. Oh, my God. In part two. Yes. I can't wait. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? Mm-hmm. Like, when you when you say, like, this is a perfect example of how a psychopath can kind of manipulate what you are perceiving so like have you ever seen that movie american psycho mm-hmm. with um the what's his name what's his name the guy that played batman christian bale yes yeah you have have you ever seen it i know of it but i don't think i've ever actually seen it yeah okay you have to see it he throughout the entire movie whenever he was in like at work or with his friends he portrayed himself as somebody mm-hmm. they were like envious over i yep. whatever he's got he's got the yep. perfect everything but behind the scenes he was murdering everybody yeah brutal Yeah. But yeah. Oh my God. Well, and we see that so much of like, oh, I never would have expected this person to have, you know, bodies in the floorboard or in the wall. John Wayne Gacy. Like he was, you know, he was the clown at the birthday parties. You never would have expected somebody like that. He was your normal average guy. Yep. Who would just a friendly nuisance. Nuisances are dismissed. Yeah. Right. And the way he describes himself, his, his insight to what he's doing and how who he is really gives you like like there are similarities to like Mm -hmm. what you just said Gacy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like if we had him to kind of profile Gacy he probably could do it like that well and if you remember in Mindhunter yeah he did help them analyze he did but not Gacy but there is a big killer he did Mm -hmm. help with Mm -hmm. see oh yeah yeah Yep. So crazy. So the three personality traits that John Douglas and Robert Ressler found were manipulation, right. domination, and control. Mm. So And he's got it all. Oh yeah. Yeah. He this is the serial killer that literally literally has it all. Yeah. He's probably one of the worst ones. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. He is the worst but most fascinating because of how he analyzes his own situation. And really yeah. what made him tick. And he was the perfect person for the FBI's behavioral science unit, John Douglas, to, right. to start and to continue to go back with. Yeah. Because he just gave him so much. But there's more to that coming. Yeah. 
in part two. Yeah, okay. <sighs> oh my god. All right. All right. I, I want to know more. I might have to okay. binge like Mindhunter again. I don't know. Yes. They're coming back with season, the next season, right? Season three? It was not contracted. People are demanding it, but it's not contracted. They've never set a date for it, and they've released the cast to go do other projects, so I don't know. Oh my lord. That is a big mistake. Yeah. Big no-no. Okay. Well, Thank you, Kat, for doing that. I cannot wait for part two. I'm going to go cry in the you've corner. Me, You're welcome. You've given me enough nightmares to till part two, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Well, because we don't leave you hanging, chatters, for more information on this case, please check out After That Crime Chat, only available on Patreon. Yes. Don't forget to follow us on all of our socials, Crime Chat with Nat and Kat. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Tiki Taki to see what we got going on. And remember, it's Crime Chat with Nat and Kat. When you become a chatter on our Patreon, you'll have access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers. And about the merch, we were, Kat and I were discussing a possible giveaway that we may have that we got to talk about, about a particular product that is no longer, you can't buy it anymore. So if you don't get it in the giveaway, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get it. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yes. You also have to, again, be a subscriber to listen to part two of Egg Camper in full. We will release yes. some information, some of our sneak peek like we do. But if you want to listen to the rest of it in full and the conclusion of the story, you gotta be a VIP chatter subscribing to Patreon. Yes. Okay, so you don't want to miss it. No, you don't want to miss it. We'll see you next time, chatters. Bye.